0: In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and what's fascinating is that on day four of his creation he created the sun the moon and the stars in fact their primary role is to mark signs and appointed times and what's interesting is that days and years what we are typically used to using them for is at the lower end of importance and so moreover Signs, on one hand, are used for eclipses, whether solar or lunar. And yet, on the other hand, appointed times are used to mark God's holy convocations, the seven feasts of Israel, which inherently ties to a Shemitah cycle. In fact, according to Psalm 81.3, Israel is to blow a trumpet on the new moon and on full moons of a feast day. And so here we have celestial signs tied uniquely to Shemitah cycles and that means they inherently coincide together and so why is this important well in today's video we're gonna see how a 1335 year pattern ties Shemitah cycles and celestial signs into our celestial countdown to Christ's thousand-year reign and you might be saying to yourself Jarrett, 1,335 years, that's a long time. How does this connect? Well, saints, we're going to demonstrate that the Shemitah cycle and two sorrows patterns connects us from the Dome of the Rock all the way to modern Israel. Saints, this is an incredible pattern as it ties in the mathematic aspects of the Shemitah cycle and the scientific aspect of celestial signs. And so moreover, Not only will we discover that significant connection point, but why the Dome of the Rock is significant for end time Bible prophecy. As you may or may not be aware, Islam plays a major role in end time events as expressed through the scriptures. But in today's video, we will add a scientific layer to that. And so with all that being said, welcome back to Supernatural by Design. My name is Jared. I pray that you've been having a wonderful and blessed week, beloved, and that God's grace and peace is with you. As we wait in these final days, these final hours, these final seconds before the rapture of the body of Christ, looking for our blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Truly, we serve a wonderful God. And, Saints, I'm excited to extend this celestial pattern to over 1,300 years. It's incredible. But before we get there, I just want to take the time to thank you all for your continued support of this channel. Every time you hit the like button, comment on this video, share this video, or even donate to this channel, your support is greatly appreciated. Thank you. And if you're new to the channel, definitely consider subscribing. Okay, now just one more thing. Before we begin this video, I'm updating the description section of each video moving forward with channels that I recommend for end times topics to teaching of the Bible. That's also very important as well. But also a Google Drive link where I will be dropping in charts and graphs of many of the topics that we discuss on this channel. So definitely check that out. I really think you'll enjoy it as those documents will be continually updated as you will see revision dates when those new releases come out. And so now, saints, with all that being said, let's go ahead and dive into today's topic. The Dome of the Rock, 1335. And yes, you heard me right. If you're familiar with that number, you know that's a very significant Bible prophecy time duration and called out on the bottom left of this timeline. Now, let's see how this entire celestial pattern fits together. And to do that, let's break this video into three topics. Our first topic will be the sorrow cycle. Let's refresh and recap what this celestial pattern is that God uses to demonstrate his sovereignty. In addition, we'll define some eclipse definitions that will be very useful in deciphering these type of topics. And of course, we'll lay out some Bible foundations for this very topic. Secondly, we'll discuss the Dome of the Rock Celestial slash Shemitah cycle pattern. And how it ties into our Celestial Countdown to Christ's Thousand Year Reign. Which is the most intriguing part of this video. And then thirdly, we'll see how Islam is then connected to this. And to End Times Bible Prophecy. Also, it's important to note that I do like to build things up. I like to make sure we cover all the details in order that we understand the conclusion at the end of the video. So definitely make sure you watch all the way to the end. Okay, now with all that being said, let's go ahead and dive into topic one, a recap on the sorrow cycle. As you see in the middle of this timeline, is the key. But why is that? Why is the sorrows the key? Well, it's a celestial pattern and are patterns significant in the Bible? Well, before we tie in the eclipse aspect, let's take a look at patterns from a theological standpoint in order to hone in on the significance of these eclipses in a pattern format. Because isn't it interesting that God uses patterns from a celestial perspective just as God uses patterns in prophecy. And so it begs the question, are they related? Well, two great Bible passages that lend insight into this topic the first one comes from hebrews chapter 10 where the writer tells us that jesus the entire old testament is written about him which means then that every narrative in the old testament points to christ for example abraham and isaac or the story of joseph or what about boaz the kinsman redeemer from the book of ruth that marries a gentile bride these stories not only provide us characteristics of who Christ is, but also his mission, as seen through historical patterns. So we definitely know that patterns are significant, but what about celestially speaking? Well, the Apostle Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 2, that feast days and new moons and Sabbath days are also patterns. In fact, that they point to Christ as well. And so, not only are feast days significant from a pattern prophecy perspective, but new moons as well. That is a component of our celestial pattern. But if you notice, he also calls out Sabbath days. Well, a Jubilee year is part of a Sabbath cycle, a Shemitah cycle. So we also have that in the mix as well. In fact, even tying both concepts together, really all three concepts together, In fact, all three of these concepts will converge at a very unique point in our celestial countdown when we get there. However, before we continue forward, I just want to clear up something that I typically see in the comment section regarding topics on this channel, like this one with celestial patterns. A comment continually comes up about, is what we're talking about, or is what I'm talking about, astrology. And so, I just want to clear that misconception up, biblically, before diving into the celestial components, as at a bare minimum, as we'll see through these verses, God does want us to be at least aware of their significance. Not to be gurus, necessarily, but to at least, at a bare minimum, understand their significance. And then we'll dive head in to the celestial topics. And so, let's see what Jesus has to say himself about celestial signs. Because according to Matthew chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, some Pharisees and Sadducees come up to him asking him about, Hey Jesus, will you show us some signs from the heavens? Now, the whole irony about this question in the first place is that they completely missed the sign of his birth, which, remember the Magi had to point that out. But nonetheless, he mentions that they can discern weather phenomenon by looking at the skies but that they can't discern the signs of the times so at a bare minimum jesus expects the leadership to at least be aware of these signs in the heavens in fact to that point paul would later back up that same theme that same topic as when paul is discussing the redemptive plan for the Jewish people, he rebukes them in chapter 10 for not realizing that the gospel has already gone out into all of the earth before Christ even showed up. And he does so by quoting Psalm chapter 19, verse 4 in particular. And so then turning to Psalm 19, the context for verse 4 starts out with, The heavens tell of the glory of God. Now, who is the glory of god that's jesus christ in fact in two passages of the new testament that's christ's very title the lord of glory and therefore the heavens are telling us a story about christ as day unto day pours forth speech and night unto night reveals knowledge there is no speech nor are there words their voice is not heard their line has gone out into all the earth. And this is why Paul is quoting that and rebuking the Jews in chapter 10 in Romans. Isn't that fascinating? And remembering, in addition, if you recall from Genesis chapter one fourteen, the sun and the moon and the stars are used for signs and seasons or appointed times. Well, if you turn to Job 38, The Mazaroth, or what we would know as in the Western world, the Zodiac, is called forth in its own season or appointed time. So the Zodiac is very relevant to this topic as well, in addition to eclipses. And so moreover, there is a whole study to the celestial signs and their relevance, not only to end time Bible prophecy, but who Christ is in his mission as Paul outlines for us in Romans chapter 10. And so, is studying celestial signs, God's celestial signs, astrology? Hardly. God wants us to be aware of their significance. He placed them there for us. And when you really meditate on the significance of this, knowing that Christ put celestial signs into motion on day four before the fall of man, it demonstrates... Isaiah 46:10, that God declared the end from the beginning. And so that is the biblical foundation for studying God's profound, supernatural, by design, celestial signs. And furthermore, since we know these celestial signs are underscored by science, this route also points you to Christ as Romans one twenty points out that the observation of God's creation points to a creator that's profound in fact that's philosophy science is a branch of philosophy which is why you'll find a Christian at the beginning branch of every scientific discipline that we know in western societies from astronomy to geology to paleontology, to microbiology, to physics, all of these branches of science were derived in order to prove different aspects about the biblical narrative. Paleontology, guess where that came from? Proving that there was a flood. Same thing with geology. Or even the greatest scientist known on earth, Isaac Newton, was not referred to as a scientist in his own time because that word wasn't created yet, but he was considered a philosopher. Isn't that interesting? And of course, this goes into the realm of mathematics as well. For example, Euler, the guy responsible for E, yep, he was a Christian. In fact, wrote many papers arguing for a creator in his spare time. In fact, he discovered so many mathematical principles that at one point, they just couldn't call everything Euler this or Euler that. It would be later mathematicians. Who would secondarily prove his mathematical theorems would then have those theorems named after them, but ultimately gave credit to Euler for discovering those mathematical principles. Very smart guy, the one that fundamentally changed mathematics. Now, I'm not going to get into the rabbit hole of science here, but realize there is a Christian behind all of these disciplines. And also realize that science is intertwined. In god's celestial signs that saints is extremely important extremely important as romans one twenty points out so let us now define a sorrow cycle and so pulling up this slide to demonstrate what a sorrows pattern is the sorrow cycle is an 18 year repeating eclipse pattern which can either be a solar pattern or a lunar pattern And so, pulling up this illustration, well, on the bottom row, going from 1901 to 1919, is that 18-year pattern. In fact, each row illustrates that, going 18 years across. However, vertically, this is what's defined as a sorrows period, or what the ancient Greeks would call a turn of the wheel, because after three iterations of a sorrow cycle, you'd have a sorrows period, and that eclipse would occur nearly in the same spot in the sky just a little bit higher and here's another rendition of that the three that look like spokes that's it moving every 18 years the one spoke that has a second spoke on it that's the sorrows period 54 years difference or three sorrow cycles so do you see eclipses that god has put into the skies are very mathematical and follow a pattern in fact, just eclipses on their own shouldn't occur in the first place. A lunar eclipse or a solar eclipse, the probability to have one in the first place proves that there is a God. In fact, that's what Romans one twenty tells us, that creation testifies of a creator. And so when we look at these eclipse patterns, every single eclipse is important. And so coming back to our celestial countdown to Christ's thousand-year reign, the three-digit numbers Outside of our dome of the rock pattern, as their two digit numbers are correlated to these sorrows cycles. Hence, why I have right in the middle of this timeline the sorrows is the key. It's the key to unlocking this whole pattern. And so, there are actually four sorrows patterns illustrated within this countdown. We have our Israeli tetrad with their sorrows numbers in blue. We have the n times tetrad the grouping of these four celestial events and their sorrows number tied to white with yellow then we have the millennial tetrad and their four sorrows numbers in all yellow and what we are adding to this chart and what the topic of this video is today is about the dome of the rock and because it goes so far back in time we're at two digit sorrows numbers here that's amazing this pattern is incredible. And while we're here, might as well refresh on what these other celestial signs are. So how about the American crisscross cross Total Solar Eclipse pattern, which I have a couple of videos on those, but located at the very top of this timeline, and still need to do the judgment leg of that eclipse pattern, but plays a very profound part in this whole celestial timeline. We also have the Haman 2.0 Antichrist Eclipse, which is also connected to a sorrows pattern, check that out in the Purim setup video. But we also have these four partial solar and lunar eclipses that occurred in 2000 and 2020, which I have still yet to make a video about the significance of those. However, working with Brother Carlo, we have something very profound to share with you that the Holy Spirit has dropped and connected for both of us. It's fascinating, which a link to his channel, The Bible Architecture, will be in the description. And so, if you haven't subscribed yet, definitely subscribe as you don't want to miss that video because that celestial pattern with four partials in a single year puts us in Daniel's 70th week. Also, recently just recorded some great content covering the Israeli tetrad temple aspect and how that's connected to the red heifers. In fact, highlights a very unique detail found in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. And again, definitely subscribe so you don't miss any of that new content. And so now finally, let's dive into section two, the Dome of the Rock Celestial Shemitah Pattern and see why it's a 1335 year pattern in the first place. Welcome back, part two of the Dome of the Rock. Let's dive into section two, the Dome of the Rock Celestial Shemitah Pattern and see why it's a 1335 year pattern in the first place. So first to discuss the Dome of the Rock, let's dive into some history about it. And then we can discuss the pattern aspects that are tied to it. So first beginning with our history slide about the Dome of the Rock. Now, it began construction in 688 A.D. and finished about 691, 692, depending on who you source. Now, this is the first major sanctuary built by Islam. And according to Arab tradition, this is where Muhammad ascended into heaven for a night journey. This is also the third holiest site in Islam. Now, two takeaways about the history of the Dome of the Rock is its construction start date of 688 A.D., and then secondly the ascension aspect which we will cover in the third section of this video. Nonetheless, it's 688 AD that will be significant for us and our Shemitah celestial sign pattern. And one way that we know that, aside from this particular example we're about to look at, if you recall on 9-11 of 2001 the Pentagon was hit, which marked the 60th anniversary of 9-11 1941 when the Pentagon began construction as well. And so moreover, my conjecture is that there's a significance to the start of construction on a building. And so using that as our premise, let's move forward and see how 688 AD connects in two unique ways to the end times. So switching to this slide. And using 688 AD as our starting point, we will see that there is a pattern connected to the Shemitah cycle as well as a pattern connected to celestial signs. Not to mention, it ties directly back into our celestial countdown of Christ's thousand year reign. So, let us begin with the Shemitah side of this pattern. Now, I was going to do an extended, in depth, detailed look at the Shemitah year, the Hebrew calendar, and which Hebrew calendar I believe is correct. However, that definitely is going to be tailored for a different video. I would just contend by stating this, that no matter which calendar you choose to use, all of them are pointing to the significant moment that we are in right now. Although I would like to state two things about it real quick. And so pulling up this slide, we are told in Exodus chapter 12 that God commanded Israel to begin the Hebrew year starting on Nisan 1, which would in turn set up the redemptive plan for Israel, which is a key part not to overlook, but nonetheless rolled out through the seven feasts of Israel. Now what's really interesting, saints, is that Exodus 12 appears to be when God institutes this plan, officially, because according to the writer of Psalm 81, Asaph, we actually learn that the beginning of months and festival days was prophesied to Joseph. So that's at least 200 years plus before we even get to Moses. So it was announced to Joseph and then officially instituted once Israel had rescued out of the hands of Egypt. However, and pay attention to the language here in verse 4 of Psalm 81, for it is a statute for Israel. Remember, the whole purpose of Daniel's 70th week, the seven-year tribulation, is all about Israel. God's redemptive plan for them. Isaiah 44 6 is a great example of this. This is what the Lord says. He who is the king of Israel and his redeemer, the Lord of armies. I am the first and I am the last. And there is no God besides me. That's Jesus Christ. And emphasizing his deity back in the Old Testament. But nonetheless, coming back to Psalm 81, let's also pay attention to The months begin with lunar patterns. Not a set day like on a Wednesday nor on a spring or fall equinox. The Hebrew calendar is a lunar calendar. Now why am I saying all that? Well check this out. On this slide, since Tishri 1 is not the start of the Hebrew year, that means it falls back six months to Nisan 1. And so The year of 2022, in this particular example here, isn't affected by the six months difference of where you start the Hebrew year. So moreover, the Gregorian year doesn't change. Here, let me paint this in a different light in order to better articulate what I'm trying to say here. And so switching to this slide, this particular slide outlines the seven counting method that would be familiar from a Hebrew perspective, where we have a week of days, so seven days a week we have a week of weeks we also have a week of years which is our Shemitah cycle now when you string along seven of these weeks of years this is how we derive a Jubilee year from the biblical texts in Leviticus chapter 23 and 25 now there is a debate among scholars about regarding the counting of this 50th year that's mentioned in Leviticus and so pulling up this slide The question becomes, is the 50th year a separate year unto its own, or is it the first year of the next Shemitah cycle? I personally lean that it's the first year of the next Shemitah cycle. And I take this position because an interesting caveat about the Hebrew year, taking that position, that you can tell when a Shemitah cycle has ended because that Hebrew year is evenly divisible by seven. And likewise, you would know when a Jubilee year is, because that year is also evenly divisible by 49. However, if you add an additional year for the 50th year, then as you do this over time, let's say two Jubilee cycles, your Hebrew years are no longer divisible by 7, nor are they divisible by 49. So, I say all that to say this. Pulling up this slide. Because the Hebrew year of 1924 was 5733, And the Hebrew year for 1973 was 5684. These two Hebrew years are evenly divisible by 49. And a very interesting mathematical pattern emerges called the halfway jubilee pattern, if you understand it from the perspective of 49 years and not an exclusive 50th year. Because look what happens when we divide 49 by 2. Because look what happens when we divide 49 years by 2. It equals 24.5 years. Now, 24.5 is interesting. Because that is an 11 connection seen with a decimal. Which means there's something here. There's something that God wants us to see. Which is this. If we add 24.5 to 1924. And from the other side, if we subtract 24.5 from 1973 it gives us the exact middle of 1948.5 that is profound and so we know 1948 is pivotal it's a pivotal year and i've been building up towards this particular year for a reason so i appreciate your patience because check this out here is how the Shemitah cycle now ties in to the dome of the rock you see if we take 1948 and subtract 688 from it we get 1260 years that's pretty interesting we'll come back to that here in a second because now if we look at the year of 688 it occurred on the first part of the halfway point of a Shemitah cycle and why is that interesting because 1948 is the exact same start year of a halfway point in between a Shemitah cycle. Which is why when you take the difference of 1260 years and divide it by seven, it equals 180, which means there have been 180 Shemitah cycles in between the start of the construction of the Dome of the Rock and the regathering of Israel. Isn't that interesting? And although these are halfway points of a Shemitah cycle, it means that we have an offset schmidt pattern that's related here which remember shouldn't be a surprise as we saw there was a connection with the half wave jubilee pattern connecting us to 1948 in fact to that point here is where celestial signs start coming into play you see 10 years previous to 514 of 1948 there was a total lunar eclipse on 514 of 1938. So there is a 10 year gap, that number is significant here in a moment. But also with respect to the Israeli Tetrad, we know that the four moon pattern is also connected to the significance of Israel being regathered in 1948. And the sorrow cycle numbers associated with that pattern, a subscriber pointed this out. Thank you for sharing this detail. But when you add those sorrows numbers of 121, 126, 131, and 136, when you add those up, guess what that equals to? 514. Now, it could just be quote-unquote coincidental, but it is interesting that it matches the exact day, marking the most significant moment in recent Israeli history. And then finally, before we move to The celestial pattern that ties this dome of the rock connection. Since we have a 10 year difference from a total solar eclipse marking 514 of 1938, and we know that a sorrows period is 18 years, and we know that a Shemitah cycle is 7 years, multiplying our 10 year difference from the eclipses times the sorrows duration of 18 years times 7 years for the Shemitah cycle. That equals 1260, which means, saints, that the Shemitah cycle and lunar patterns conjoin between these two historical events. And so moreover, we know that the 180 Shemitah cycles is our Shemitah connection from the Dome of the Rock to the regathering of Israel. That, saints, is supernatural by design. And so now let's traverse our other leg, of the Dome of the Rock through celestial patterns. And so to set this up, we already know that the Israeli Tetrad is connected to this pattern. And throughout other videos from this celestial countdown series, we have outlined how this 18-year lunar eclipse pattern has connected us all the way back to World War I, the 1913 and 1914 set. In fact, if you recall in that German connection video, We also saw that this moon pattern goes as far back as 1842. Not to mention, the origin of the Israeli Tetrad and when all these moons first started. We saw the second moon of the series, when it began in 1228, was also connected to some end time prophecy, King Frederick II, also within that German connection video. But still, the very first moon of this pattern only began in 1047 AD. I say only began, that's <laughs> over a thousand years ago, but still, 1047 isn't quite 688 AD, which is why we now have to talk about a connecting four moon eclipse pattern that we will dub the Dome of the Rock Tetrad. Because, saints, this is extremely fascinating. And so, let me pull up this slide The Transition. In order to see the profoundness of the celestial connection point now these screenshots are a little blurry when zooming in on them but i'm going to use this overall as a roadmap map so you can see high level and i'll just pull in the screenshots one at a time so you can see the dates of these celestial patterns oh and one more thing these screenshots come from that excel file that i've dropped in the g drive and I've also added a Microsoft Word document with the links to NASA's website where you can pull these into an Excel file for yourself just to compare. But beginning with our transition slide the 1948 and the 1260 year connection, and 2023 and 1335 years, those screenshots are of the Israeli tetrad. We've seen those a lot, so I'm not going to zoom in on those. What we want to focus on is the connecting celestial point between our Israeli Tetrad and the Dome of the Rock Tetrad. And to do that, we need to look at the year of 1047, as that is when the Israeli Tetrad started. The first moon of that pattern, the transition year from the Dome of the Rock Tetrad but it might make more sense to actually begin with the Dome of the Rock and the four moons that occurred those years. So let's begin there. Pulling up that screenshot, in the years 687 and 688, the Soros numbers that are associated with those four moons is 83, 88, 93, and 98. And again, 688 is when the Dome of the Rock construction began. That's key. And as you can see on this slide, these four moons will occur every 18 years which at this point assume these four moons are completely independent and not related or connected to our israeli tetrad these are just the four moons that occur at the time the dome of the rock first began construction and so coming back to our transition slide these four moons are just reoccurring over and over and over again until we get to 1047. So let's pull up that screenshot because it turns out saints that our Dome of the Rock Tetrad occurs the exact same year as the start of our Israeli Tetrad. Saints, that's profound, that's incredible. To put it in another way, the Israeli Tetrad four moon pattern begins to switch out into our Israeli Tetrad pattern. It's the exact same moons, essentially is the exact same four lunar eclipses. For example, by the time we get to the year 1354, the first half of the pattern is the first two moons of the Israeli Tetrad, and the last two moons is the Dome of the Rock. They're literally connected. So where our Dome of the Rock trails off, our Israeli Tetrad picks it back up. That, saints, is profound. It's supernatural by design. That demonstrates God's sovereignty. a profound level i can't overstate that i hope you guys are really seeing the significance of this connection between these two tetrad patterns and so coming back to our transition slide the high level view of this saints from 688 ad to 2023 this is our 1335 year connection now, just one more element to help solidify this 2023 connection. Let me turn to this side. The Israeli Tetrad BMA pattern, or before, middle, and after. Because there is another pattern emerging here, and why 2023 is significant, and not 2022, as our reference point for the Dome of the Rock. You see, the Israeli Tetrad that occurred in 1949 and 50 occurred one year after our 514 date and yet the next time it comes around the israeli tetrad pattern in 1967 and 1968 the six-day war when israel recaptured jerusalem that significant date landed in the middle of that eclipse pattern and therefore it would follow that when our israeli tetrad pattern occurred in 21 and 22 the third temple connection ties us one year after the Israeli Tetrad pattern in 2023. And so the significant events for Israel happened before the Tetrad, in the middle of the Tetrad, and now one year after the Tetrad, marking 2023. And on a side note, there is a unique connection with Passover and 4.13 in all three examples. And also notice that the two most significant events in recent Israeli history didn't land on feast days, remembering that the feast days have very unique prophetic significance to Jesus redemptive plan for Israel not the church. It's one reason why I argue the rapture won't happen on a feast day, but we'll tailor that for a different video. And so coming back to our Dome of the Rock pattern as we have demonstrated, there is a unique connection from the Dome of the Rock and the Shemitah pattern connected with 180 Shemitah cycles, exactly to 1948. And from the celestial pattern side, we have the Israeli Tetrad being exactly connected to the Dome of the Rock Tetrad and to 1948. In addition, that pattern aspect also ties to Jewish feast days. Now why is this significant and profound? Well. We highlighted this towards the beginning of the video, when we discussed Colossians chapter 2, where we have feast days mentioned, which is a full moon pattern, but we also have new moons mentioned, and Sabbath days, which are inherently tied to Shemitah cycles. Isn't that fascinating, that all of these parameters and patterns intersect in 1948? And more profoundly, points to Christ. Now to close out section 2 of this video, turning to this side, and why 1335 is very significant is that we have both the Shemitah cycle and the combination of the Dome of the Rock Tetrad and the Israeli Tetrad that from 688 AD adding 1335 years puts us in the year of 2023. And why is that significant? outside of this mathematical and scientific celestial connection well check this out we are told in daniel chapter 12 verse 12 that blessed is the one who is patient and attains to the 1335 days and because this entire chapter is tied to the significance of israel in the end times that 1335 is pointing to 2023 and that 2023 is is the year of the rapture and that the mathematics and science is just another layer to confirm that also check out brother carlos channel the bible architecture because he is being led by the holy spirit to the exact same conclusion that 2023 is a very pivotal year and through the connection of the dome of the rock in fact i'll leave a link to that specific video in the description I know Brother Aaron from God a Minute is also coming to the same conclusion, which his link is also in the description as well. Now, let's quickly discuss the significance and the role of Islam in the end times. Welcome back, part three of the Dome of the Rock. Now, let's quickly discuss the significance and the role of Islam in the end times. And to do that, let's pull back up our Tetrad and Shemitah connection, outlining the significant year patterns of 1260, 1290, and 1335. Now we've already discussed 1260 and 1335, but what I want to turn your attention to is 1290. This particular number comes from Daniel chapter 12 again. However, when you add 1290 to the year 688 AD, as you see on the screen, it comes in 1978, which was the Camp David Accords. And two unique aspects about that is one, the name of the Accords and the significance of the Accords. So first we have Camp David, which is interesting because the name of that place has nothing to do with the Bible, and yet, was the first major Middle East peace deal, involving the U.S., Israel, and Egypt, in that region. And yet the name is very biblical, Camp David. I would suggest that this is very significant, similar to the Abraham Accords, and the name significance of that peace deal. And so my conjecture, saints, with the role of the Camp David Accords, is that it's highlighting the significance that Islam plays in the end times and with a peace deal. Now, this Camp David Accords is just one aspect. However, as you know, coming back to the celestial countdown, we also have the Haman 2.0 Antichrist eclipse. And because there's Haman, we know that Iran is very much involved in the end times just as Ezekiel 38 points out, and isn't it interesting the tension that is mounting between Israel and Iran. In addition, setting that aside, another way that we know that Islam is involved in the end times are the color of the four horses of the apocalypse. White, red, black, and green is all the colors of the flags of Islamic majority nations, or Another unique connection, how about all seven letters that Jesus writes in the book of Revelation are all to churches confined to the region of modern-day Turkey, another Islamic country. So we know, saints, that from a high level, Islam is very much involved in the end times. But I want to draw your attention to Shia Islam, which is a specific sect of Islam and is the one associated with Iran, but also Azerbaijan, which I believe plays a very unique role in upcoming events. But we need to talk about Azerbaijan in a separate video, because I really want to focus on Iran right now, as their version of end time events from an Islamic perspective, based on Ezekiel 38, appear to be the main catalyst of Islam. In the end times you see Saudi Arabia is the Mecca for Sunni Islam and according to Ezekiel 38 they play a neutral role during the Ezekiel 38 war and so it appears from Ezekiel 38 that Shia Islam is more responsible during that battle in fact Shia Islam is where you get Hamas and the Palestinian front Yemen all the places where Iran would be trying to strike Israel from and one could argue related to Psalm 83 but here's my point and so as we take a look at the path to World War 3 that is definitely a country we want to focus in on not to mention Turkey another Islamic country is very significant as well and so we know there's an Islamic connection here to Israel not to mention Russia as well in Ezekiel 38 but Russia and China Towards America, and so it seems very much so that the fate of America and Israel are very much tied together. The question is who attacks who first? Well, one place that I think we can gain some insight as the enemy likes to disclose his cards symbolically is from Ipeco too, and because we don't want to be ignorant of Satan's schemes we can glean some insight from this particular video. However, my point is, where we have the scene that ties the fall of America with Israel. And so moreover, we definitely want to cover the Islamic part of this connection. Not to mention, I believe the rapture is tied to war. And another unique scene in IPEC-02 ties war with economic collapse. Isn't that interesting? And just as tension is increasing globally on a massive scale, the timing of the SVB collapse, to me, is not coincidental. I believe the climax of both of these will occur simultaneously. And lastly, IPECO2 depicts Islam as being very significant in the end times as well, in many of the scenes across the entire video. Interestingly enough, it also depicts Obama. The question is, are these two related? Well, check this out, saints. From a 2008 Forbes article titled Obama and Ahmadinejad, which was the Iranian president at that time. But nonetheless, the article starts out by asking this question. Is Barack Obama the promised warrior coming to help the hidden imam of Shiite Muslims conquer the world? Well, the article would go on to talk about this prophecy, quote-unquote, from Muhammad's cousin and son-in-law, that stated that, quote, prophesied that at the end times and just before the return of the Mahdi, the ultimate savior, a tall black man will assume the reins of government in the West, and that he would command the strongest army on earth, and that the new ruler in the West will carry a clear sign by linking the names Hussein, Muhammad's cousin, and this Western leader, like Barack Hussein Obama. And the tradition concludes, Shiites should have no doubt that he is with us. But it's interesting, it ties this Obama connection to the Mahdi, which we've discussed that in other videos, but that is a connecting point to either the A, the Antichrist or the false messiah which if you recall from that Netflix video titled Messiah, was a Muslim guy from Iran and who deceived the world. Now the article would go on to state this connection point with Barack Obama's name and the Arabic meaning of it. However, the religious leader of Iran and a religious establishment that ultimately governs Iran, if you're familiar with their governmental setup, but nonetheless... ...saw Obama's rise as another sign of the West's decline and the triumph of Islam. Isn't that interesting? But check this out. The official media in Tehran were extremely excited... ...when Obama picked Biden as his vice-presidential running mate. In fact, the article, quote... ...Biden was an early supporter of the Kohi revolution in 1978-79... through ...and for the past 30 years has been a consistent advocate of recognizing the Islamic Republic as a regional power. He has close ties with the QAMS lobbyists in the U.S. and has always voted against sanctions on Iran. Isn't that interesting? On a side note, when I read this part of the article, it reminded me of this video, the warning to Joe Biden, as that was related to Biden and Iran, interestingly enough. So this article is very fascinating. In fact, I'll leave a link to it in the description. But hold on, it gets even crazier than that. Check this out. From MuslimSunrise.com This particular article is talking about events that occur right before the end times. And in it, it states that Muhammad proceeded to mention the smoke, the Antichrist, the beast, the rising of the sun from the west, the descent of Jesus, Son of Mary, Gog, and Magog, and three eclipses. One in the east, one in the west, one in Arabia. While all these signs and their fulfillment merit extensive discussion, this article discusses the sun's rising from the west, the prophecy, its meaning and fulfillment. And so they go on to discuss the rising of the sun from its west. And what they go on to mention is that the meaning of the rising of the sun from the west represents Western countries. Now, I tried to find the exact article that mentioned this connection point, but it basically tied that Iran connected Obama's logo as confirmation to this prophecy. However, directly from Wikipedia, the creators of Obama's logo are quoted as saying this, we were looking at the O of his name and had the idea of a rising sun. Isn't that interesting? And so moreover, we definitely have a connection here between the Obama administration, Iran's rise to regional power as being a sign for the end times. But going back, it's interesting that Gog and Magog is also called out. That's Ezekiel 38 saints. And therefore, Iran plays a significant role in the end times, confirmed, celestially, through the Haman 2.0, Antichrist Eclipse, that occurs on 4.20 of 2023. In addition to the fact that IPEC 2 displays Islam throughout the entire video, and Obama is also one of the main characters in the video. And so again, Islam plays a major role in the end times. Underscore that, bold that, italicize that. And so, hopefully demonstrated in this video, as a recap, in section one, we learned how the sorrow cycle is one of God's celestial patterns that he uses to point out world-changing events through patterns of eclipses. Which is why in section two, we saw the unique connection between the Israeli Tetrad and the Dome of the Rock Tetrad connecting in 1047 and dating back all the way to 688 A.D. at the start of construction of the Dome of the Rock, that from that year forward, we would have a Shemitah pattern connecting to 1948 and to 2023, in addition to a Lunar Eclipse pattern that connected 688 to 2023. And because we know the Dome of the Rock is tied to Islam in section three, we discussed how Islam plays a huge role in the fulfillment of end-time Bible prophecy, and specifically Iran, and their role to bring about this Mahdi character, who is either the Antichrist or the false messiah. I lean towards the false messiah, not to mention the Gog and Magog war. In addition, in this third section, we discuss how IPECO2 ties the fate of America and Israel together and also carrying the theme of Islam throughout the entire video. And so we have discussed a lot, a lot of information. And so if you have any questions, please feel free to ask down below. I may not get to it right away, but I'll do my best to answer as many as I can. And so with that said, this is where we're going to end this part of the video. Saints, there is a lot going on in the world. It's easy to get stressed out. However, we must remember that God is faithful to his promises. Oh, we serve a faithful God. And according to John 14, verse 27, he promises us his peace. It's not a world's peace. It's a supernatural peace. And so let's be encouraged. Because the rapture is close. And that is a promise by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And until next time, saints, I love y'all. Jesus loves y'all. God bless you. And Maranatha, King Jesus.